Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog almost every day as Noni over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people who don't necessarily love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 80. Uh, which means if you work 40 hours a week, you can listen through all of my podcasts um, for your whole working time. I don't know. Anyway, uh, basically, except that I think I skipped one one in there, didn't I? Was it like 55 or something? Anyway, uh, podcast number 80. If you would like to find the show notes to get the links that I mentioned within this podcast, uh, you can go to aslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S and you will find podcast number 80 linked there. If it is not linked at the moment when you go, don't worry. The show notes do exist. Just scroll to the bottom and click on see all my podcasts here. Okay, this podcast is brought to you by audible.com where you can um, sign up for a free 30-day trial and um, get a free audiobook of your choice. Go to audible.com slash slob, S-L-O-B, audible.com slash slob. Okay, I am calling this podcast New Year, Same You. Um, this is the time of year. People talk about New Year's resolutions. They either talk about how everything's going to change or they talk about how nothing's going to change because, um, you know, who actually sticks with their resolution? I mean, really, you know, who actually all year long is saying, you know, every day is cognizant of whatever it was that they wanted to change on January 1st of that year. Um, so you can either get cynical about it or you can get, hopeful about it. Um, but you know, one of the little phrases that's said, especially when we're talking about exercise is new year, new you. I mean, you hear that all the time. Well, um, so I named this one new year, same you. Uh, and I just want to talk about that basically going with the things about you that are not going to change and accepting those in a way that will allow you to think, to change the things that do need to change confused yet? Okay. Hopefully I'll make that a little more clear as we go along. Um, so last year I wrote some posts and did some podcasts on keepable resolutions with the goal being, um, making resolutions that you can actually keep. And, uh, basically those were mindset changes, uh, which I have made many mindset changes over the course of my own deslobification process through, um, journaling that at a Um, And mindset changes are things that actually have lasting impact. So a mindset change is a keepable resolution. And one of those was live in your house with the idea being accepting the house that you live in. I get lots of emails. I personally have said it so many times myself over the years. Um, Well, here's why I can't be organized because my house has this or doesn't have that. Um, a big part of my own process has been just accepting that I need to live in the house that I have right now. 
I got really tired of waiting for the next phase of my life to come that was going to magically solve all my problems. And part of me realizing that it wasn't going to was moving into phase after phase after phase and it never solving my problems the way that I had always assumed it would. So um, live in the house where you are. So there's a podcast on that from early last year. If you are in iTunes and you don't see all of my podcasts, my understanding is that if you subscribe, you will be able to see all of them, you know, one through 80. Um, so if you're finding that you're not able to see them all that way, that's one way to do it. Okay. The other keepable resolution that I had a podcast on that I wrote about last year is get rid of stuff you hate, you know, stop keeping, if something, if you pick something up and you go, wow, I just hate this. I mean, you know, the kind of that physical reaction, letting yourself go ahead and get rid of it. Um, I don't know why that's so hard but it is kind of, you know, having that mindset change. Okay. So we're talking though about new year, same you. Um, so a big part of this deslobification process for me over the last six and a half years has been realizing that my brain is different from the brain of naturally organized people. Um, I was not born with an organized brain. It just, I wasn't, um, my brain works differently. I did not realize that before I started this process. I just thought, okay, what is it that I haven't, you know, I was waiting for a light bulb moment. I was waiting for one moment of understanding that was going to make me go, Oh, okay. I get it now. Okay. I'm organized. I mean, that was what I was waiting for. And, um, you know, it's kind of like everybody, Here's the thing. Um, in education, differentiating instruction is a really big deal. Okay. If you're an educator, you know, this, um, you have students who have modifications on all of their, um, things, you know, maybe they need a test read to them. Maybe they need a test. Um, they need to be able to, uh, you know, whatever it is that they personally need that helps them get through this, you know, modifications. So you have, here's, here's the standard that needs to be met, but there are modifications that teachers have to make in order for students with learning differences to be able to meet that same standard. Um, and sometimes some people need more challenges, you know, so every teacher, I think I'm rambling here, but I hope I get to a point eventually. Um, every teacher, you know, you make a lesson plan, you have to have modifications for that to make different people be able to arrive at that same understanding in the different ways that their brain works. It's the same way for everything in life, you know? I mean, and that's where I didn't understand it. It was like, well, I've always done fine in school. Um, you know, somebody explained something to me. I get it. I'm able to implement. Okay, great. You know, I can, some things I had to work harder on than others, but I didn't think that applied to my home. My home, it was just like, why is this so hard for me? What, why in the world does it seem so easy for somebody else? And yet it's like, complete mystery to me why my house continually ended up in disaster status again and again and again and again. Um, and so over this process of realizing that truly my brain works differently and the way I realized that was through the community aspect of this blog that I started. I didn't tell anybody I knew about it, but I did start to get readers. They were all strangers. They were all random people on the internet. Um, And as people started to say that they related to what it was that I was saying, 
I would find out what I could about them, if they had a blog or if they had a profile. These were in the days of blogger profiles. Um, and I would find out that I had other things in common with these women, um, that they were artists and poets and, you know, not that I'm an artist, but, you know, artists and poets and very creative type people. And I started to see this connection between continually messy house and the creative brain. And when I started to see that, it helped me accept who I was and that this struggle that I have is part of who I am. It's part of how my brain works. And it made me see that my brain does not work the same way organized people's brains works. And that means there's not something wrong with me, but the fact that our brains work differently is the reason why if an organized person gives me advice, it's like they're speaking another language. It does not compute to me. So I have to come at it from a different angle. And here's the clarification. I am not saying that I say, oh, this is part of who I am. Oh, well, I guess this is just who I am. So accept me for my messy self. I mean, there is part of me that says, you know what? It is part of who I am. But the part of who I am is that it's a struggle. It's always going to be a struggle for me. There's not a magic formula to stop it, to change it. But I have to go with how my brain works and find ways that work for me to get my house under control and keep it livable. Because I still want to have that same goal, that same standard. Maybe I have changed my standard a little bit and that I don't expect constant perfection the way I used to um, think I was, you know, aiming for. I don't expect constant perfection But I do have that standard of a livable home that we can move about around in freely, have people over without, you know, it disrupting, disrupting two whole weeks of our life that we have to completely cancel everything else so we can get our house ready to have just people come over and me go, oh, sorry, I didn't have time to clean. Um, But you know, that, that's the thing is yes, there's this standard, but I have to get there in a way that works for my brain. So I think my point of new year, same you is say, okay. Let's stop pretending. Let's stop beating our head against a wall. Let's stop um, trying, trying, trying on something that we've tried a million times and it never works. And instead say, okay, how can I get to that same goal that I kept trying to get toward and failing? How can I get to that same goal, but go in a way that works for my personality? Okay. Accepting who you are as a way to get to the goal, not as a way to give up on the goal hope that makes sense. Okay. So it's basically understanding the things that are and aren't going to happen. Um, we had a little conversation with some people that we had just met about, um, losing keys, you know, and, um, if you've been around ever, you know, that this is an issue for me personally. Um, I, we have a, um, a hook, we have hooks to hang our keys on by the back door. I mean, they're right there. There is no reason for keys to not end up on there except when life gets crazy and my brain starts to get extra fried. They don't go on there and there's no conscious decision that I'm not going to put those on the hook this time because I just don't want to. That's not what it is at all. It is purely just that I have no idea at what point those keys leave my hand when I come in because my brain is completely maxed out on whatever other stuff is stressing me out. Um, so, you know, I've, I've gotten these little, um, beeper thingies, you know, I mean, I, 
I finally accepted that to have this place at the door is the ideal. Absolutely. And I try to do that. And the more my house, the more I use daily habits, which I talk about all the time to keep my house generally under control, the less my keys get lost. But the reality is things get crazy. My brain deletes the need or the knowledge of where I laid my keys. Okay. And so I've put something into place. I have these little, it's a little keychain. It's got six buttons on it. You can get them with different amounts, but it's got six buttons on it in different colors. And I know which color to push because that kind of stuff I can totally remember where I put my keys. I have no idea, but I know, okay, the red keychain is on such and such keys. I'm going to push that red button and I'm going to walk around my house until I hear that little button, that little beep, 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 beep going off. And then I find those keys. And that has eliminated a lot of stress. Most of the time I don't need it. Most of the time I put my keys on that thing. But for you to tell me, we'll just do that. Great. But guess what? Sometimes it doesn't happen. And I've had to accept that about myself. And I have this other thing in place because usually it's when I'm stressed out that I lose my keys. And so I'm already stressed out which means I'm probably running late for whatever I have to get to. And it adds a huge amount of stress when I all of a sudden also can't find my keys. So to put this little thing in place somehow makes life easier. So finding, accepting that this is a truth for me. Just saying, oh, I should put my keys there every time I come in the door does not mean it's going to happen. That's my truth. Okay. That's who I am. I've accepted that about myself. I've put something into place that makes up for that. Okay. I'll put a link to the ones that I use, um, in the show notes for this. So, um, finding ways that do work for you. Hold on just a second. Well, I thought I was going to sneeze and I didn't, but I paused it. So, okay. Um, finding ways that do work for you. What was next? Okay. So, you know, one of the things that, um, I started, you know, just kind of calling people, as I was writing on my blog when I first started was I started referring to normal people. Like, here's the way I do it. Here's how normal people do it. And, um, some people would get offended by that, you know, because basically if I was saying this is how I do it versus how normal people do it. And then somebody reads that and they do it the way I do it, then they feel like I'm calling them abnormal, which I'm not. Um, so I explained that in a post called defining normal. And basically in that I said, there's no such thing as normal. We all know that, right? And besides, normal is boring. And normal is not something that I aspire to, okay? It's just simply a little phrase that I use. But, you know, I personally, (coughs) I don't know why I'm all of a sudden coughing. Um, So I, you know, I, one of the examples I give is normal people trip over a shoe and go put it up so that they won't trip it over, trip over it again. I trip over a shoe and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Why is that shoe there? Now I've got to clean up my whole house. So I don't trip on shoes again. When instead, all I would really have to do is just go put the shoe away. I personally, um, make things harder than they need to be. And through analyzing that and figuring that out, I'm much more likely now than I ever was to just go put that shoe away. But the truth is my natural inclination is to complain about the shoe and worry about the shoe and then trip on it again next week, you know, or whatever. Um, because it's still there in the same place. Um, so finding, you know, figuring out where those places are 
in my world where I have, I continually do something over and over and paying attention to that. And so the thing, the way, and you know, and then changing it, the thing that, um, I give is it's all about daily habits, but I started as small as I possibly could. I started with doing the dishes, not with even doing the dishes at a certain time during the day, just knowing that I have to do the dishes every single day. I have to. And by doing that, I started to figure out what worked best for me. Then I said, my kitchen is still a disaster, even though the dishes are done, which makes a big difference. Um, and so I started sweeping the kitchen every single day and it just kind of combated that slob vision. I have slob vision. I don't see incremental mess. I see perfectly clean and total disaster. I don't see what's happening in between. And so finding those habits that help me combat slob vision, normal people don't have to sweep their kitchen every day. I do because it helps me see things like the newspapers that are on the floor next to my husband's chair or next to my chair too, honestly. Anyway, but it helps me see things like that and combat that. So putting those into place, even, and I think this is one of those things that I really struggle with a lot was sometimes I find myself saying, I shouldn't have to do this. Like it should be easier than this. I shouldn't have to run my dishwasher every day, even if it's not completely and totally full. But in the podcast about pre-made decisions, I talked about that. I mean, my reality is I don't make good cleaning decisions. I just don't. I can talk myself out of it even when I'm wrong. And so if I don't, you know, it shouldn't have to be a done deal, a pre-made decision. I should be able to make that decision and, you know, that judgment call every night about it. But the reality is if I let myself make that decision nightly, then I will talk myself out of loading the dishwasher. I mean, and if I don't load the dishwasher, then I'm always wrong because usually when I load the dishwasher, there's plenty of dishes in there, but I'm always surprised by that. So it's that idea of, I shouldn't have to do this. It shouldn't be this hard. Well, guess what? I do have to do that. Even if I shouldn't have to, I do have to, because that is how it works for my brain. And that's how I make things run smoothly and happen in my house. Um, and then also to know that even though it's important to accept who you are, change is possible. And sometimes I think that observing children you know, especially as a mom observing my own children who I'm paying attention to every little aspect of their growth and their life. As I watch that, it's so revealing. So I'm gonna tell you this little story about my daughter. Um, as a lot of you know, I, um, was a theater person and I say that I was an English major theater minor, (coughs) but taught theater. So, um, that was what, my passion was. That was what I loved doing. Um, I always wanted to do that growing up. You know, everybody wants to be a movie star when they're a kid. I stayed with it and wasn't a movie star, obviously, but, um, but you know, stayed with acting and was the kid who, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times there would be somebody who's like, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to try out for a play too. And then they'd be like, Oh, you have to go to rehearsal five days a week. And, oh, well, I, you know, I'm usually busy on Saturday nights. I don't know what I'm going to want to be doing. So I don't actually want to, so they wouldn't actually do it. You know, where me, I was driven to do things. 
And I feel like sometimes, you know, all three of my kids love to do that kind of stuff. And sometimes I'm a little jealous, even though I had awesome parents. So, you know, because I'm able to kind of give them the inside scoop on this is what the director is looking for because I've been the director. This is what you need to do in the audition to stand out from other kids, whatever. Um, and so I, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, they're so lucky to have me. <laughs> but in those moments, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm thinking about how, well, this has always come naturally to me. You know, doing drama is something that I did because it came naturally to me. And, um, and I look at my kids and I'm like, yeah, it comes naturally to them. Well, my daughter tried out for a musical last summer and, um, it was her first time to try out for something. And I had never been to this place before. It was something new to us. Um, but she really wanted to do it. And it was a, it was a scary audition. It's the kind of audition that's scary for an adult. It's called a cattle call. And basically what that means is you have two minutes on stage to do a monologue and sing all by yourself. And that's it. Like that's all she got. And that is terrifying. I mean, it's not like the kind where you show up at an audition and they give you a script to read and then they try you out in different parts, whatever. I mean, it's let's show everything we've got in these two minutes. So it was scary. Um, I had tried to prepare her. Um, she's a little stubborn, kind of like her mama and would listen, but also thought she knew plenty of what she needed to do. So she got, um, she got up there and, um, she kind of panicked, you know, I mean, she got nervous and, you know, I told her, I said, if you will smile and be loud, you know, as we're watching some of the other ones, I whispered this to her. I said, if you'll smile and be loud, you have a chance. Um, and she'd never smiled and she wasn't loud because she got so nervous, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, she didn't listen to me. And then I look at, I I look back at myself and I think, you know, I have bombed auditions before, like completely and totally stunk it up. I mean, there was an audition I went to in college. It was in the summer and I was thinking, oh, I want to do a play while I'm home. And I mean, here I was, you know, winning awards and things at my college, but I went to this, this audition. It was for a melodrama. And I stunk so bad that this man who didn't know me, had no idea anything. Um, he goes, do you know what a melodrama is? And I like, that's how bad I was, you know? So it's sometimes I forget that I had to learn and that I have made huge mistakes. And I hope I'm not sounding like some horrible person here, but, but you know, it's like watching my daughter because here's what happened is she took that. She went through this thing. She was devastated to not get a part, even though, you know, the audition hadn't gone well, but she was still, because that's how kids are. And that's how everybody is. She was devastated to not get a speaking part. She was in the chorus, but I have watched her over the last six months singing in her room, singing show tunes. And her voice has completely just blossomed. And it's because she went through this difficult experience. She failed. She watched the people who had succeeded and she started adjusting and trying. And she just auditioned for a play yesterday. We don't know if she got a part or not. Um, she was one of the youngest ones. So her chances are lower. Um, but one of my other kids was there, my kid who does not hand out compliments, um, freely. And he, I mean, we they came home and he was like, no, she was awesome. Yeah. She was way better. Yeah, no, she did great. She was awesome. And I'm so proud of her because she, she failed and then she learned, you know, and sometimes as a mom, I'll look at that and I'll go, Oh, you know, I worry about my kids. And I think, 
oh, how are they, you know, oh, I don't know. I don't know if, if such and such is really their thing. But to watch them work hard and change at something reminds me change is possible. Because sometimes I do start getting into a point where I'm like, well, this is the way I am. And sometimes you forget that it's possible to change things. I may have to go about it a different way than some other people would, a way that fits my personality, but it is possible to change. So accepting who I am and then working with that, with the goal of being, I'm going to improve. I'm going to learn from my mistakes, accept that I have mistakes, understand why these mistakes happen to me because of how my personality is and my brain is, and then use that knowledge to adjust and change. Does that make any sense? I don't know. So basically, you know, things like, uh, so here's another example of, you know, accepting what you can handle. I talk a lot about a clutter threshold. Clutter threshold is a concept I did not understand. I just kept, just like containers, not understanding my house was a container. I just kept bringing more stuff in and more stuff in and more stuff in. And then it was harder for me to keep my house under control. And I didn't understand that there was a relationship between those two things. I did not understand that the one of the reasons I naturally struggle with keeping my house under control, but one of the reasons it was so extra hard was because I had way too much stuff in my house. So once I realized that, okay, I personally cannot handle as much stuff as other people can handle. When I realized that, that was hugely freeing. And as I get rid of stuff, it's easier for my house to stand or control. So realizing that everybody has their own personal clutter threshold, don't look at how much stuff somebody else has in their house and think, okay, well, I just need to learn to keep it under control like they do. Say, okay, I have the same amount of stuff they have. I don't keep it under control. Obviously, I can't handle that much stuff. And so get rid of that stuff. Okay. So that's part of that. Accept yourself for who you are. Realize this will may always be a struggle. But also know accepting yourself doesn't mean you don't improve. It's your personal way to improve. Okay. I feel a little preachy. Um, I'm going to stop there. Yeah. Okay. But happy new year. Welcome to 2016. Those of you who are still with me, um, I just wanted to let you know, in case I haven't mentioned that the book release has been moved up to November 8th, which is really exciting. It was going to be January of 17 and now it's going to happen November 8th of 16. So that's coming out soon. Um, if you are listening to this, just so you know, 28 days to hope for your home is going to be included as an appendix in the print book that's being published through Thomas Nelson publishing in November. Um, I felt like that was important because those 28 days, if you've read that book, you know, they talk you through the basics that you need to get your house under control. I did not feel like it was right to have a book about getting your house under control without including those step-by-step instructions. But that means that I am going to have to pull it from Amazon and from my site. I think it's beginning of March. I don't know. But if you do not have that ebook yet, and you've been thinking about getting that ebook, go get it. Okay, go get it. I mean, it'll be available again as part of the book later. But um, 
you know, and it's just a little bit at the end because it's a very short ebook. It's 28 days. Some of the days are super duper short, like, hey, do this. And then other days it goes into long explanations of why that's been a struggle and all that. But if you have not bought that book yet, that ebook yet, I do recommend that you get that. So, um, also this is brought to you by audible.com slash slob, S-L-O-B. Um, and the good news is that, um, the Harry Potter series is now on audible.com. So that is something that you can get through there as part of your free trial. Um, I, we went on a trip this summer. I think we went to see my aunt last summer and it's like six or seven hours. And I so wanted to find that. And I waited to the last minute and Harry Potter was not on audible.com at that point. And it was super expensive to get it somewhere else. So I'm really excited that it's now on there. So the next road trip that we take, we are totally going to get those because I've heard great things about those audiobooks. So um, thank you for joining me today. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.